the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Took action. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There is a judgment greater than anything you've ever known. It won't be long Your life will pass by as a vapor And you will stand before the judgment seat of God And every secret deed and thought Every wrinkle, every spot will be in view Before the one who knows all things, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, you know the one you never knew. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from your sin and believe. On the risen Christ You can find peace in Him From the judgment That's to come He is the shelter From the coming storm shakes at the mention of his name he has power over life and death every knee will bow and tongue confess heaven and earth will proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father will you bow will you to his majesty he can save you from the might of all your sin this is a fight in which he stands in perfect victory while you have breath you have a choice to make in life yes Turn away from your sin. Yes. And believe on the risen Christ. 
you can find peace in him from the judgment that's to come From the coming storm. Yes. While you have breath, you have a choice to make in life. Turn away from all your sin and believe on the risen Christ. Can find peace in him from the judgment that's to come. He is a shelter from the coming storm. He's the only shelter from the coming storm. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. It's time for some very plain talk about revival. Yes, we all want the Holy Spirit to come in great power. But we need to test the spirits. I find such gullibility in the Christian church today in America. We'll take any spirit, happy spirit, yes, Loving spirit, yes. Clap, clap, spirit, yes. We just want a spirit. What we don't seem to want is the Holy Spirit. I've been listening and watching as many have spoken about the supposed revivals that are breaking out across the country. One prophet, so-called pastor, apostle, he said, I prophesied the coming of this revival before it happened, beating his drum. Other Pastors of renown have stepped in and said, yes, this is the Holy Spirit. He's moving to bring renewal in the church. No, he's not. We're gullible. We have not gone back to the scriptures and said, what do the scriptures teach us about what revival will look like? And probably we should even lay aside the use of the word revival because that's not what the Spirit of God calls it in the New Testament. Times of refreshing. 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I need to do some very plain talking with you, and I'm not doing this to offend you. I'm trying to call attention to what the scriptures actually say about the coming of the Holy Spirit and what he will be about. After Jesus ascended slowly into the clouds, returning to his father, Jesus, before leaving for about 40 days, talked with the disciples about the kingdom of God. Please, anything that we look at and ask, is this a move of God? It is going to have to be dealing directly with the kingdom of God. And we are going to have to recognize that the only purpose for the Holy Spirit's coming is to make of us powerful witnesses for Jesus, for the building of his kingdom. This is kingdom business. This is not feel good in Kentucky time. This is building the kingdom of God. So let's look at some scriptures. Jesus commanded them as he was leaving, as he was eating with them just before he ascended, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Acts, the first chapter, verses 4 and 5. But the disciples had another agenda. It's these agendas that come into our heart that take us off track from doing what Jesus called us to do. Oh, this is revival. We need to go over here. We need to do this. We need to do that. No. No. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going and two men dressed in white were standing with them and and they said to these disciples men of galilee they said why do you stand here looking into the sky the same jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way as you have seen him go into heaven and then they returned to jerusalem from the hymn from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room, that is the upper room, where they were staying. And those present, and then he names the disciples, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, 
and with other women. And now we have another example of of getting off track. Peter stands up and says, look, we need to replace Judas. No, they didn't. Jesus was going to replace Judas, and he did replace Judas with the powerful apostle Paul. But they appoint an apostle, and then we don't ever hear from him again. Now, what were they supposed to do? Well, it's very clear. They were supposed to pray. They were supposed to pray. It says, let me read it for you. They returned to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount of Olives. Verse 12. This is Acts 1, 12. They went upstairs to the room where they'd been staying. They all joined together constantly in prayer. And it's not an adequate translation. The King James Version is more accurate. The King James Version says, and in supplication. Or if you look at the Greek, it could also be they were constantly in prayer and praying a prayer of entreaty along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his brothers and other women, other disciples, 120. Now, let's say, I want revival. What's the model that if I follow what these disciples did and were told that they were clean before God, they had confessed all of their sin, they were washed in the blood of Jesus, all of them were made clean by Jesus. He washed them. He purified them. And together... They do not sing songs of praise and worship. Isn't that amazing? You'd think that the 120 would have had some musical instruments come in and they would have simply stood and and worshipped or sat and worshipped Jesus, praising his name. That's not what they were told to do. They prayed prayers of entreaty and supplication for what Jesus had said he would send to them, the Holy Spirit. You want the Holy Spirit to come in your life? Then get clean before God. Repent of all known sin. Be washed in the blood. And now take every moment to cry out to Jesus and entreat him for the Holy Spirit to come in power into your life. No, we'd rather, we'd rather stand and, and sing songs and say, oh, we love everybody. We're all, we're all in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He's come down. No, he hasn't. That's not how the Holy Spirit comes. 
the Holy Spirit comes in response to an entreaty to empower for the work of the gospel. We want to use the gospel as feel-good salve. We want to use the work of the gospel to say we love everybody and we're tolerant of everything. So a man is a sinner, come in. You're fine just the way you are. You don't need to repent. Jesus covered all your sins at Calvary. He forgave all the past, present, and future sins. And we then, in the foolishness and gullibility of the New Testament church that we claim to be, which we're not, we're an apostate church, we come and we expect the Holy Spirit to come, and when he doesn't come, we're very troubled. But we can sing songs of praise and we can love each other and we can hug each other and we can be together and and we can say this is the renewal of the Holy Spirit. No, it's not. No, it's not. Just because we name something revival does not mean it is revival. Now, if we look at what actually happened on that day of Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, this was literally the the Feast of Weeks. That's what they called it. They called it the Feast of Weeks. It was a celebration of the joy of the law. It was to commemorate the glory of Mount Sinai. Pentecost came. And it was not for the law, it was for the Holy Spirit. Now, now please listen. Chapter 2 in the book of Acts. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And you know what they were doing. They were praying. They were in the mode of supplication, of entreaty. Show me a student body who's willing to lay aside their classes, who are willing to lay aside everything they're doing and to come and just sit before the Lord or lay on the floor before the Lord or stand before the Lord with solemn prayers of entreaty for the Holy Spirit to come. It won't happen, will it? Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is where I separate from my brothers who were from Azuzu Street. For I believe that the gift of tongues was first and foremost the proclamation of the 
glory of Jesus, where every man could hear in his own language what was being said. Now, is there a prayer language? Yes, I believe there is a prayer language that is not the same as the speaking in tongues spoken of here. I don't believe that speaking in tongues is the sign of the Holy Spirit's coming. It is one of the signs. It is not the sign, according to Scripture. But they were on the right track because they were in supplication. They were crying out to God. They wanted more of Jesus. And they wanted Jesus to come and do a great work of of reformation, a great work of winning the lost to Christ. That's what Azuzu Street was about. And it kicked off one of the greatest in-gatherings of people in modern history in the Pentecostal church. Now, watch. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? How then is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya. They all heard in their own language. Why? Because first and foremost for Jesus, the reason for sending the Holy Spirit is to give them the power and the ability to build his kingdom. This is all about kingdom building. It's not about feel-good religion. Now, I have prayed for what has happened at Asbury and I've prayed that it will be directed by the Holy Spirit away from the foolishness of this singing of modern music and instead will the Holy Spirit will come and convict them of their sin and cause them to fall on their faces before Jesus and be equipped for the work the work of bringing the lost into the kingdom of heaven whether that be as pastors or or doctors or missionaries or nurses or accountants whatever it is lord equip them by the holy spirit to be witnesses and testify that jesus is lord and bring them into the kingdom of god what we see going on now in America being called the Great Awakening, the, the, the Great New Revival, the Move of God, it cannot be called that in reality according to the scriptures. It's more about narcissism, feeling good about me, feeling loved, 
it gives me heartburn. Now, it goes further. Some people began to laugh at these men who were so joyously proclaiming Jesus as Lord, and they said, oh, they're drunk. It was nine o'clock in the morning, and Peter stands up with the 11, and he raises his voice, and he addresses the crowd. Now, many who are coming into these so-called revivals are touting the wonderful benefits of just letting it flow with praise and worship and not be interrupted with sharp messages of confrontation with sin. To me, that's the mark that says this is not real. It's uh, fantasia. It's fantasy land. Peter said, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Let me read this to you. Now, let's be very clear. Peter is saying that Joel was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. I want to be equally clear and say there is another fulfilling of this at the end of time. And we are now at that end of time. And this is what God wants to do, not some Fantasia deal. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. This is Acts 2 verse 17. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. So prophecy will be a key part of this end time revival. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Men and women will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. In other words, revival is being spoken of by Peter as that coming of Jesus at the last day. And the prophecy and the visions, and the dreams, the evidence of the Holy Spirit are all going to be focused in very sharply on causing people, men and women, boys and girls, to call upon the name of the Lord that they can be saved. In other words, it's going to be a very direct, I say even violent confrontation with sin with darkness it's not going to be comfortable it's not going to be fantasia it's not going to be a love in it's going to be a confession time it's going to be a time of getting right with jesus the arrows of the holy spirit are going to pierce deeply into the hearts of people who have walked in foolishness and arrogance and sin before almighty god Men of Israel, verse 22, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, 
which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God, by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. That's a pretty stiff, stern confrontation. You murdered Jesus. He is God. Then, verse 24, But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep hold of him. And then he goes to David and talks about, David's in the grave still. We know that his grave is with us. Verse 29, brothers, I can tell you confidently that the prophet or patriarch David died, was buried, and his tomb is still here to this day. Verse 30, but he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, the Messiah that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. I want you to see this. Peter is not talking about, come on, everybody, let's bring some instruments in and let's get a song fest going out here because if we sing enough, Jesus will come. The Holy Spirit will be poured out. No, he didn't talk like that. Instead, he said in verse 32, God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, he's made him both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Any revival, so-called, quote-unquote, that does not confront sin, if there is no strong preaching to men and women who have wickedness in their hearts. Now, there was not preaching to the disciples and to the 120. Jesus had already cleansed them. But now it's going beyond the 120. In that group of 120, it was just prayer of entreaty and trying to take care of some organizational things. It was not singing and praise. I'm terrified that this so-called revival that is not a revival, it's a deception, I pray it will turn into a revival. I pray the Holy Spirit will come and in his mercy and kindness confront 
the American church with their sin and cause them to get on their faces before God. That would be such grace and such mercy. And I pray for that grace and mercy because God loves the church. I love the church. I've served the church all of my life. But I have to look at what I see and with plain talk say to you, look, compare what you see with what the scriptures say. See, truth is not established by my experience. It is not established by what I feel. It is not even established by what I think. It's established by the word of the living God. The people, they're cut to the heart. And they say, brothers... What shall we do? These were not pagans. These were good Jewish people. Brothers, what shall we do? Now listen to what Peter tells them. This is the message that will bring true revival to God's people today. Not this wishy-washy sing-along. That's foolishness. It's a deception. Peter replied, repent, change your mind, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. How were they to be baptized? In the Holy Spirit, they were to be baptized, repent for salvation, be baptized for power. Everything, please hear me. Everything in the New Testament is about building the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It's not about you. It is your salvation. But it's you being empowered by the Holy Spirit to build the kingdom of God. Repent and be baptized. The context is clearly to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you believe that this is a water baptism, okay, I won't argue with you. But it was all about doing the right work of repentance and getting right with Jesus, being baptized, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. That includes you and me. For all whom the Lord our God will call. He's called me. He's called you. Or you wouldn't be listening to this broadcast. With many other words, he warned them. He warned them. And he pleaded with them. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. And I am pleading with you today with very plain talk. 
that you would allow these scriptures to direct your heart and give you very clear direction regarding what you are to do to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Revival. We can do nothing without Jesus. The modern church has proven that. We've built huge buildings. We have the best educated clergy in history. We have huge budgets with pastors making well over $100,000 a year. And all we're doing is piling up brush to see who can get the largest pile and the best facility. But who's going to set it on fire? The Holy Spirit is withdrawn from the modern church. So here we are in Fantasia. Clap, clap, happy, happy. Love, love. Accept everybody. Tolerance. With many other words, he warned them. See, that's why I come on this broadcast day after day, teaching and warning and saying, turn to Jesus. Let him wash your sins away. Stand by faith. And I want to go back and speak for just a minute about chapter 11 of Hebrews. The entire chapter is addressing one primary question. And that question is, have I been washed of my sins? I've repented. I've confessed every known sin. I've utterly given myself over into the hands of Jesus. Now will I exercise God's gift of faith to me and believe that I am washed clean, that I am saved by God's mighty power? Will I accept the reality that all of my past sins have been washed away, that I am clean today by the power of Jesus? And will I accept that now I must cry out for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and for the power to build the kingdom of God? It's not about what I can do. It's not about my vacations. It's not about my house. It's not about my car. It's not about my food. It's not about my lifestyle. It's about building the kingdom of Jesus Christ. This is kingdom business. So, Chapter 11 of Hebrews, if you don't take it out of context, is will you believe that all your known and unknown sins have been cleansed, washed away, removed from you 
and you are made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. And if so, you're now in a position to come as the disciples did and kneel and bow and sit in his presence and earnestly entreat him to send to you the mighty power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Are you prepared to do that? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 people were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This was the New Testament church. So I come today. Do you know that what I have said to you today out of the scripture is true? That it's real? And do you want to be a part of a people who are waiting upon the Holy Spirit for the fullness of the Holy Spirit? If you do, I invite you to come to the National Prayer Chapel, for that's what we're about. We're about waiting before God, being washed by his blood, being cleansed, standing by faith in the fullness of the certainty of his washing us and taking away our sin. And then by faith, standing, kneeling, praying, prayers of entreaty, beseeching him to empower us for the work of the gospel. If your heart is drawn by that and you want to be a part with us, you're welcome to come. You're not welcome to come if you're just a drop-in. You're not welcome to come if you're just somebody who wants to see what's going on. No, this is where you come and you die and you stand with us and you pray with us. And your heart is given over to Jesus. And together we will wait and pray. And the Holy Spirit will come in power. If you're not in this area, and yet your heart is hungry for this, you can move to this area. 
Or you can find a few other people where you're at who desire the same thing, who want Jesus, who are hungry for Jesus. And you recognize that you're going to have to allow the sharp arrows of the Holy Spirit to penetrate your heart. You're going to have to be utterly, completely, and totally exposed with nothing hidden from him. Asking that he come in power to wash and cleanse and restore you. That all falseness would be removed from your heart. Peter said, repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let me put it another way. Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of revival, which is the gift of the Holy Spirit being poured out in power. That's what Jesus is offering us. How do you stand? Almighty God, I recognize that this plain talk is not pleasing to many people. I recognize that this plain talk is offensive to many people. But Lord, it is your word. It is what you have said. I know we will not walk into revival in the human flesh with happy, happy, clap, clap songs. Lord, I know that we are going to have to lay down our lives, our personal agendas, our bucket lists. We're going to have to lay down our dreams. We're going to have to get right with you and submit and surrender our hearts to you, Jesus, and that you will come in power. You will touch us. You will fill us. You will heal us. You will restore us. And we will be connected to the vine and the living Holy Spirit will flow from the vine into the branches and we will be your witnesses. And we will testify that you are real. And every day there will be added to the church those who are being saved. Lord, I know that revival is false if it does not do the work of the missionary. If it does not evangelize. If it does not reach out to the lost and the dying. But Lord, we've been comfortable to have our little personal relationship with you and call that the kingdom of God. We've been utterly deceived in America and we've been powerless. One man, Lord, said to me, we've already received all the Holy Spirit we're ever going to receive. Lord, he was lying. 
There is a place of power and authority in your Holy Spirit that you are willing and eager to give to us that we could begin to proclaim your name in power and watch as the lost are healed and restored and brought into the kingdom of heaven. Lord, I thank you today. I worship you. And I praise your holy name. Lord, your word has made it very clear that we must repent and turn to God that our sins could be wiped out and that these times of refreshing could come from you, Jesus, where the Holy Spirit comes in great power. Lord, I plead today for every person listening to this broadcast. I plead for signs and wonders, healings, restoration of the lost, for the conversion and changed life of the sinner to come and walk with you in holiness. Lord, revive us once again. Lord, I think of that passage of scripture in Isaiah 55. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will freely pardon. Almighty God, we seek you and I know you can be found. We call upon you because we know you are near. Lord, give us the courage to forsake to forsake our ways. Give the evil man courage to, for, to leave his thoughts behind. Lord, let every person hearing this today turn to you, Lord, and you will have mercy on us. And you will freely pardon our sin and our wickedness. And you will send forth your Holy Spirit in revival power. Lord, please come. I stand by faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Lord gave me a vision when I was just a small child. I saw true revival. I didn't even know what I was seeing. I was stunned by it. And again, as an adult, as a pastor, he again gave me an open vision where I was right in the midst of revival. And men and women were weeping and repenting and receiving the gift of forgiveness and joyfully shouting the deliverance and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've seen it. I know it's coming. It's a promise to me for years. And I stand by faith it will come. But it will not come with the foolish sentimentalism of this day. It will come with very plain talk, loving, kind, but piercing convicting, changing our very hearts. 
So come, Lord Jesus. Have your way today. I want to thank those of you, Richard, many others who have been giving so that last month could be paid for. Thank you, Denise and Dirk and others. I'd love to hear from you. Write to me, Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Again, that address, Pastor Ray Greenley, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can also just go to the YouTube channel, uh, Pastor Ray Greenley, and you'll find the YouTube channel with all of the videos. Many, many, many videos that will help you on this journey as you listen to them. I want... I want you to enter deeply into the heart of Jesus and be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Tomorrow will be a day of prayer. Whether we continue doing prayer on Friday will depend on your participation. If it's not useful to you, I don't want to waste the time or the money. But if you would call and you would like to pray, you're welcome to. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'll talk to you soon. I love you. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.